Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. Amen. So why don't you turn with me in your Bibles to uh, John chapter 6. A little bit of a feedback. John chapter 6. I'm going to read the last few verses here. I want to just open up by sharing this. We are continuing in our series in Jesus People, and I hope that you guys have been as blessed as I have. I know just from digging into these topics and, and really just speaking on the simplicity of, of living from intimacy with Jesus and seeing how when we live in this intimacy and behold Jesus, there's this incredible truth that our lives are beginning to look like his. It's, uh, it's, it's just amazing what God wants to do in our life. And these, these marks, right, rest, joy, generosity, uh, continually hearing the voice of the Lord by the Spirit and living in obedience to that, these are all just beautiful truths of, of Jesus' people, followers of Christ. And what I felt like God placed on my heart today is entitled Embracing Your Assignment, Embracing Your Assignment. And really what I want to share with you today is as I study the life of Jesus, it becomes quite clear that Christ had this unique um, intensity and focus to stay committed to the very purpose for which the Father had sent him here. And even though there was great temptation, even though there was great pull to ultimately veer him away from that, uh, Jesus never swayed. He was committed to the very purpose for which he came here to earth. And what I felt like God was downloading in my heart is that as we grow in intimacy with the Lord and as our lives begin to look like his, we will see this same fruit take place. We will come into an awareness of our very purpose for being here on earth, and ultimately we will be committed to that very thing. I want to just speak this over your life because some may think they have no purpose in their life. Some may think you've messed it up in your past, that there's no way God could ever use you, but you have incredible purpose for your life. That's why you're here. You have incredible destiny for your life. One of the great gifts that God gives us is purpose, and some in here may seem like they're floundering. It doesn't matter where you are in your walk. Maybe you don't even know Jesus, and you feel like you're floundering, you're wandering, but one of the great truths is that God has incredible purpose for your life. And what I love is one of my favorite scriptures in, in speaking about you know, our purpose and how God wants to use us and the influence that he wants to give us is in Matthew 5 where Jesus says that we are the light of the world. When you confess Christ and you're born again of the Spirit, the scripture says that we are the light of the world. And he says that light is not meant to be concealed. It's actually meant to be put on a hill. It's meant to be put on display that the brilliance and beauty of Christ through you would ultimately be displayed to the world. You see, oftentimes I think we think that as Christians, like this idea of being ambitious is not good, like we need to stay away. Actually, Christ wants to put us in places of incredible influence so that his light can shine. God wants to use us. And this is what I love is that, that idea of this light shining, it's not meant to be constricted to a Sunday and what we do here. There are lawyers that sit in this room. There are doctors that sit in this room. There are construction workers and teachers and husbands and wives and mothers and fathers, and in every single one of those spheres, God wants you to ultimately be a light that shines, that you would truly be a voice of hope where you are. You have incredible purpose over your life, and no matter what your circle of influence is, ultimately God wants to use you, and I really, what I want to do today is just look at the life of Jesus briefly and see how Christ was so committed to his assignment 
And then I want to share something very specific. I'm going to be bouncing around a little bit. I know it's a little bit different than maybe how we normally would just break into one scripture. I'm going to bounce around a little bit. And there's one story in particular in the Old Testament that God has really placed in my heart today in regards to our assignment. So I want to talk to you again about embracing your assignment. I want to just look at Jesus' life for a moment to just set the stage here. And, uh, and yeah, I hope, I hope you'd be excited today to know that God has just so much for you. Like, really, God wants to use us to, to change this community, families. Like, he wants to use us, this body. And, uh, and I hope you'd be excited by that and not, and not move from a place of guilt, like, oh, man, I have to do God's assignment for my life, but that you would honestly just be so in awe that God would choose us and want to use us. And despite our weaknesses, despite our failures, we look in the mirror and say, man, I, I just don't have what it takes. We look at the scriptures and we just see God. It's incredible. We could spend so much time of God raising up men and women throughout the entire scriptures where he just gives them incredible favor when they walk in their assignment. And literally, they have international influence. It's absolutely amazing. And it's just not, it's not limited to any one person. But I want to start here in the life of Jesus and share a few scriptures with you. This is John chapter 6. Many of you are probably familiar with this. This is where Jesus feeds the five thousand and I'm going to just kind of fast forward to the end of this where he he's finishing up this miracle and in these last few verses um, we're going to pick up in verse 12 let's just read it it says when they had all had enough to eat he said to his disciples gather the pieces that are left over let nothing be wasted all right so this is the story of Jesus takes the five loaves two fish breaks it there's supernatural provision and he feeds these people now this comes to the end and he says in verse 13, so, so verse 13, so they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. And verse 15, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. So I'll share a few scripts in this, but here's what I want to share is that Jesus steps into the scene and he performs this miracle of provision, and the response of the people was, here is the prophet, here is the king that we have been waiting for. The Messiah is finally here. That You have to remember that there was a great expectation of who the Messiah would be. Old Testament prophecies speak to both the first and second coming of Christ, but before he would come as a conquering king, he would first come as a suffering servant. But you have to remember that the Jewish people were under intense oppression for years and years from the Babylonians to the Persians to the Greeks and now to the Romans and their thought was that when the Messiah comes that's why they got very confused over Jesus they thought when Messiah comes ultimately he's going to be this political like figure this warrior king who will throw off the chains of our oppressors and set his kingdom and establish his kingdom here and now on earth and the Jews were under intense oppression under the Roman Empire mainly with the way that they were taken advantage of with financially, with taxes. That's why tax collectors are absolutely hated. The Romans would just, um, really, it really, it was extortion. And uh, tax collectors were actually Jews that worked for the Romans, and they even took advantage of their people even more, so they were deeply hated. And of course, we know that the Romans didn't come up with crucifixion, but they certainly mastered it, and they were just a brutal, a brutal people to be under. And so when Jesus steps on the scenes and he begins to perform miracles, the people, the Jewish people, begin to say, this is finally the Messiah that we have been waiting for. 
And the point is, is that there was an expectation of the world on who Jesus should be. And ultimately, Jesus withdrew from that expectation because he was committed to doing the will of the Father. Even though the world had an expectation of what he should do, he was committed to doing God's assignment for his life. What is my point? My point is this, is are you willing, this is something the Lord spoke in my heart and I just want to speak it over you, are you willing to embrace God's assignment for your life even if it's not what the world expects of you? Are you willing to embrace your assignment even if it's not what your friends and family expect of you? Are you willing to embrace it even if it's not what you expected in your own life? If God's plan takes you somewhere different, are you willing to embrace that assignment? Because ultimately Jesus shows us that he was willing to do that. And as a result, he endured great opposition and rejection. Of course, we know he eventually would go to the cross for that very reason. But I want you to know that God has an assignment for you, and I feel like God really wants to speak over this, that we would say yes to what it is that he has called us to do, no matter the pull, no matter what people think, no matter what people think we should be doing, no matter what we think we should be doing. Our job as Jesus people is to say yes to the very purpose for which God has created you. I I think that's just incredible, that God has such a, a specific purpose for every single person in this room. I think about Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness after his baptism. We know that he has an encounter with Satan himself, and he's tempted in three different ways. And at the end, he's tempted in that Satan takes him up to a a high mountain to show him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, all of this is yours if you bow down to me. And ultimately, Jesus Jesus refutes that and, and, and tells him he'll worship God alone. But the point is, is that isn't interesting that the Father, this was already promised to Jesus. This was Jesus's to begin with. He was going to access it through the cross. But Satan had come with a form of, of a shortcut to his assignment. But Jesus refrained from doing that. When Jesus went into his hometown in Nazareth, he couldn't perform miracles there because of the unbelief. Because when he came around, they said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the son of, of Mary? Isn't his brothers and sisters here in this place with us? And Jesus faced opposition to his assignment from his those that were closest to him, they said, wait a minute, we know this man's past. I want, I want to just share that with you that, man, when God calls you, there's no limit to what God can do in your life. And oftentimes our struggle can be that people will know the person we used to be before Jesus. We know ourselves who we used to be. And that very thought can be this, something that really just tempts us to say, I can't do this. I'm not fit to do this. But I want you to know that, that you are. If God has called you, he's given you all that you need to walk in that. And one scripture in particular that really stuck out to me this week is in John chapter 4. And maybe you remember this scene where Jesus is, uh, has an encounter with a Samaritan woman at a well. And he comes with his disciples and his disciples leave. And as his disciples leave to go get food, he has this encounter with the Samaritan woman. And in short, it's this encounter that ultimately changes her life forever. She She comes to find that what she's really been longing for is Jesus himself, and she is touched by Jesus, goes into the town to go share that she's met the Messiah. And as that happens, the disciples come back, and they say, Rabbi, eat, eat, Rabbi. And I love this. Jesus says, I have food that you know nothing of. And I love it. Disciples give me great hope because their response is, man, who brought him food? (laughs) They're thinking like, Where did this food come from? They just give responses that I would give. Like, where did this food come from? But Jesus says this in John 4, 34. He says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. 
Jesus literally said that his food, what sustains him, what empowers him, is to do the very thing for which God has called him to do, for which the Father has sent him here to do. I think that is an incredible statement that he's making because I believe that what, what he's sharing is that there is empowerment, there is strength, there's, there's something in it when we're walking in our God-given assignments. And likewise, many times in my life, the reason why I felt quite burdened and overwhelmed and I felt just, man, I just felt like I can't sustain this is because I've taken on things that ultimately God has never asked me to take on. I'm walking in lanes that God has never asked me to walk in. You see, when we walk in God's assignment for our life, there's this specific grace that God releases over us in that place. It's a grace of supernatural provision. It's a grace of supernatural strength. You know when you're walking in God's assignment because no matter what goes on, there is a grace that allows you to transcend what you are facing. My wife and I can attest that many times of going through hard seasons of being separated and whatnot because of things I've done, but ultimately we had peace in our hearts to walk through all of that. And God supernaturally provided through all of those seasons. And I, I, I want to just start by just sharing this. We could go on in other accounts of Jesus' life, but ultimately what we see is that Jesus was over and over tempted and, 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 uh, um, and lured to basically move away from his God-given assignment, but he never did. And first and foremost, to, to empower you to follow the same, just know this, that his assignment it was you. It was me. Like when I think about that, that just grips my heart that Jesus had literally Satan come to him. He had family. There's other accounts where his family actually didn't even understand him. He had multiple times where he was tempted to just step off of his course that God had for him. He said, I refuse to because he saw us at the end. And ultimately, our job and our call as Christians, as Jesus people, one of them is, is that as we follow Christ who did that for us, so too would we lay down our lives for the benefit of other people. And here's what Jesus teaches us in his life. The true definition of faithfulness, we've mentioned this a few times, but it's important to reiterate in this context, is that oftentimes when we talk about faithfulness, we think about it choosing right over wrong. And I would say that's true, but that's a very basic level of faithfulness. What Jesus shows us in his life is that the next step of maturity and faithfulness is choosing what is best over what is good. I think, I know for me, it's so easy to get caught up in doing good things in my life, but it's not the purpose for which God has called me and created me for. And I would just have you start and ask yourself, are you walking in God's assignment for your life? Are you doing good things or are you doing the ultimate thing that God has created you for? You say, well, how do I know? How do I, how do I understand this? Honestly, I think it's this simple, but yet it's so hard because it is so simple. It's prioritizing his presence. Because when I spend time with Jesus, I mean really commune with him, there's something that happens in that that quickens my heart. That, that awakens me and strengthens me and just keeps me aligned with why he has called me, to this, called me to this place, why he has created me to begin with. The moment I stop prioritizing the presence of Jesus and begin to prioritize projects and begin to be caught up and running around is the moment I just find myself just running after so many different things. And as good as they may be, they're not the very thing for which God has created me for. And I want to just start by encouraging you 
I believe today that if you don't know that, God, I want to just pray over you at the end that even this week, maybe today, maybe as we're speaking, if not over this week, later tonight, at some point, God is just going to make it clear as to what your assignment is. I can tell you right now to start wherever you are right now to embrace that season. And there may be times where God will call you out into something that these God assignments that seem to, to, to transcend those, but ultimately wherever God has you right now, he's placed you in that job, in that business, in that school, at home with your kids. Like that's your first and foremost, that's your assignment. God calls us to be faithful in that, prioritizing the presence. But there's a specific story that I want to just talk through with you for a moment. And it's, it's something I couldn't really shake, but I, I just believe in my heart that this is what God wanted to speak over us in in relation to embracing our assignment, because I, I, feel, I just feel it's going to really speak to some people. It spoke deeply in my heart that one of the reasons why we resist it is because God will call us into things that maybe we necessarily don't want to go do. Um, he calls us to people that we necessarily don't want to minister to. But what, here's what's amazing, though, is when you step out and say yes, what you'll, you'll see is God will often change your heart in that process. And this is not a call that, when, like, my, my best life is walking with Jesus. But the reality is, is that sometimes God calls us to do really hard things. Sometimes God calls us to do really hard things. And there's a story in the Old Testament that I'm, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with that has just deeply been uh, just touching my heart this week, and it's the story of Jonah. And Jonah, a lot of us probably know it. Um, whether or not you've grown up in the church or not, it's a, a story that um, it kind of is, is grouped with just a, a kid's fairy tale, right? That's how, we, that's how we know. But actually, if we had time, Jonah is such a rich and deep story. In fact, it's, it's, it's quite complex, and we can't get into all of it, but ultimately the, the richness of it theologically is found in the last chapter. What you find is that Jonah is really wrestling with the goodness and mercy of God. But just to put it in a more simple level, what we're going to look at is, is Jonah was really wrestling with his assignment. He was wrestling with his call. He was wrestling with what God had asked him to do. And many times I think we limit, we, we limit our assignment by, by placing our desires above God's call to be faithful. God's call to be faithful. And so I just want to kind of speak through this story of Jonah. And, and I really believe that there's some here that God wants to uh, just minister deeply to in this. I felt the Lord say for many, like, why are you running? <laughs> why are you running? Um, I know that's something that if I were to be honest, God has spoken more to me than I'd like to admit as to why I'm running. And that's not a physical running, right? There's times we could be right where we're supposed to be, but internally we're just resisting what God is trying to do in our life and in our heart. And we are internally running from God because honestly, some of the stuff he's just asked to do, it's just, it's just hard to do. And, and here's how this story picks up. Jonah is, is going to be commissioned by the Lord to go to the city um, of Nineveh. It's, it's, the, it's really it's the capital of Assyria. And he's called there to preach a message of repentance. And, Mo, and uh, Jonah knows God's goodness and mercy. And so he's frustrated. He doesn't want to go because ultimately he knows that if he preaches this message and the people respond to it favorably, he knows God will forgive them. And we'll just share more on that in a moment. But this is where he's, he's really wrestling with God. And so when this, when this message comes to him, it says right in the beginning of, of Jonah in chapter 1, it says that he flees from the presence of the Lord. He just, he just runs from what God is asking him to do. And I want to just share this because sometimes we can miss the weight of, of what's happening here. Is Jonah, is Jonah running from, from God in that Jonah thinks there's somewhere he can run on earth where ultimately God won't find him? Does Jonah think that there's a place, that there's a rock, there's a cave, somewhere we can go where the presence of God cannot find him? 
Well, no, Jonah is a well-established prophet. In fact, we know that he's in 1 Kings, he would minister to Jeroboam. That's, that's not the case at all. Every prophet was well-versed in the Psalms. In fact, when Jonah was in the belly of the fish, he quotes Psalm 42.7, which means Jonah was well aware of Psalms such as David who said, where can I go, Lord? There's nowhere I can go from your presence. Jonah knows very well that when he's running, he's not running from the presence of God. So what does it mean when it says that Jonah flees when he gets his assignment from God? What it ultimately means is Jonah is quitting. He's handing in his resignation. He's quitting from the prophetic office. What it means is to say, God, I can't do what you are asking me to do. Like, this is too much for me. I'm, I'm turning away from this. You have to find someone else. And again, I just felt like there's someone here that God wanted to speak to that are running. You're, you may be just be running just from God himself still. You may just be running right now, and God is, God is here. He's after you. He's passionate for you. But even as followers of Christ is walking, there are things that God is asking us to do, and we're just saying, Lord, no, I, I can't do that. I'm, I quit. <laughs> Find someone else to do this job. If I shared how many times I have wrestled with that in, in my life, um, it's, I would say it's quite embarrassing <laughs> at times. But God has been so, so gracious to me, and, uh, and he's always, always come after me and redirected me and called my heart back to him. But why was Jonah running? You know, Jonah gets a bad rep. <laughs> Jonah gives me a lot of hope. You know that when Jonah was meant to minister to the Ninevites, do you know that his contempt, the contemporary of Jonah was Hosea, another prophet? And you know that they certainly knew what they were both speaking about. You know that in the book of Hosea, Hosea is prophesying that the Assyrians are one day going to enslave the Israelites. Jonah was asked to preach a message of forgiveness to a people that his other prophet was saying one day would enslave his own people. Jonah's like, God, I can't do this. <laughs> I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense. This is too hard for me. And he says, I, this, is just, I, this is too much. This is not what I signed up for. And, uh, and I just want to share, I, sometimes God calls us to do really hard things. Sometimes our assignments are hard. Sometimes in that assignment, the things that we have to deal with, it's, it's just, it's quite challenging. And oftentimes we can respond like Jonah and say, man, this is just too much. I don't understand this. It doesn't make sense to me. God, you've got to find someone else to do it. It, it makes me think of this. I'm sure that at some point, Jonah, Jonah probably in his heart said he wanted to be used by God, right? He wanted to be used by God. And it, made, it reminded me of a story a while back that um, I had shared with my son around Christmas time, he wanted a fish tank. And I was super excited to get him a fish tank and said, all right, we're, we're going to get you this. And the idea of having a fish tank was incredible until we had it, and, uh, and things just started going wrong. And it started with simple things like the lights. I got a special light that had different colors, and that just shut down. Before I knew it, um, fish were dying, and, and then the filter just broke, and it would be temporarily, and then it was finally permanently broken, and we came back from this one trip uh, where we waited for 10 days, and the, just the fish tank was a mess, and I cleaned it, and it went right back to being a mess, and I said, man, this is, I'm done with this. So uh, I, I'm, it's, I'm shameful to say this, but we took the fish tank, and I just put it in the closet. <laughs> the whole thing, I just put it in the closet and said, I'm, I'm absolutely done with this, and when we leave, we'll give it to someone else, which is what we did. But the, the point is, is that the, the concept of having a fish tank was really nice, but the commitment to it was a completely different thing. And now we have a turtle tank, which is even worse. 
It's just bad. If you don't clean this thing every week, I mean, it just smells like there's just, there's a sewage in the room. And, uh, <laughs> but the concept, the concept was so different than the actual commitment. And I, I just, I just feel like Lord was saying that even with Jonah, I'm sure at some point he said, God, I want to be used by you. The concept of being used by God and God having this assignment form was probably an incredible thing. But then when it came to the actual commitment, what it actually looked like, it was like, wait a minute, this is a lot different than what I thought it was going to be, right? Marriage is a beautiful thing. I can't wait to, to not be alone and have someone with me. And then you realize, wait, I have to put someone's needs above my own every single day. This is really hard. Pastoring, this sounds awesome, God, when God calls us. This is going to be so great in every way. And, and don't get me wrong, it is. But, man, then you get into it and you realize, man, I didn't realize, like, when junk goes on my heart, I can't hide from that anymore. I have to deal with it because I'm constantly in front of people. Like, the commitment, God, is so different. And I see that in, in Jonah's life that, man, the concept of maybe being a prophet is one thing, but the commitment to it. And maybe you feel the same way, but I just want you to know God is saying you can trust him. You can trust him with your life. He's a better leader than we are. Like, what he has in store for us is glorious. And even though, yeah, there's some hard things along the way, that his assignment, what he wants to do in us and through us is, is so far beyond what we could ever picture or imagine for ourselves. And so Jonah, ultimately, he runs, right? Many of you know this story. He gets on the boat. It says he finds a ship. He pays the fare. And, uh, and he starts taking off. And the Lord really spoke to me in this, is that the ready way is not always the right way. He had the, the money, the ship was there, he was able to get on, and he took off. But just because you can move in a direction doesn't mean it's the right direction. And sometimes, I've seen it in my life, it's, it's running works out for a while, even if it's taking place internally. And all of a sudden, man, it just catches up with you because God's good, and he allows things to happen to draw you back. But just, just know that if God has spoken something to you and you find yourself saying, no, and I'm moving in this direction, and you feel like you can move in that direction, that doesn't necessarily mean that that is the right way to go. And so then he gets on this boat. He's with these sailors, and they take off. And a lot of us know this. There's a crazy storm that God sends, and they start throwing off the cargo and trying to figure out. They ultimately find out it's Jonah that's, that's really the issue here. But, but everyone on the boat is affected by this. And this is something really, really personal to me because I've seen it ring true in my life. What I'm sharing with you is just stuff that I've walked through and continue to walk through with wrestling with God's assignment in my life. And that is when you war, when you are at war with your assignment, that war is projected on everyone else around you. When you don't embrace God's call in your life and you say, no, nah, I'm not doing that, from just to walk with Jesus to whatever it is after that, you, that war gets projected on every other person around you, and it causes absolute chaos and drama in a crazy way. And I've seen that happen over and over in my life. But the flip side is, is that when we embrace God's call in our life, and when we walk in God's assignment for us, there is incredible blessing and fruit that flows and touches other people. And there's so many stories in the in the scriptures, I just want to share one with you. They just show you this blessing to excite you to walk in, in your calling. It was the story of, of Daniel. And you guys know Daniel, famous for Daniel in, in the lion's den. Well, Daniel, him and his three companions, the four of them, they were part of the Jewish people that were taken captive into Babylon. And they were essentially, many of them served as slaves and as the, the lowest part of that society. But God had released um, a divine intelligence over these four men. 
They had this incredible wisdom. They had this incredible understanding. And it was far beyond their means and their resources and their education. And so God had, had placed these men in this specific in this specific area, and he had a specific assignment for Daniel himself. And Daniel, when you begin to read through the book, you find out that in incredible ways, God would raise Daniel up to be this voice of hope, this voice of, of understanding and wisdom when the king and the officials were confronted with things that they had no idea what to do, right? There was one uh, situation in particular where the king, this is a true story, it's kind of bizarre, but there was a hand that appeared on a wall and wrote a message and the king couldn't understand it, and so he, he calls all of his magicians, all of his astrologers, he, he, calls, he calls all of his high officials and says, what does this mean? And no one can figure it out. And so he's in deep distress because he knows he's, he's not living right, but the queen overhears this, and the queen says, don't worry, there's a man in this kingdom. He's a man who your father used. They, they didn't understand the Holy Spirit. They said he has the, the spirit of the holy gods inside of him. It says as the, the spirit of of of, uh, of wisdom. Uh, he, it's like the gods, his wisdom, his intelligence, and your father used to use him, and he'll be able to share what this means. Just call Daniel, and, and he'll be able to help you. And sure enough, they call Daniel, and he can interpret it. And the point I want to make is that I just believe that there's, there's going to be times in our lives where God places us in certain positions where the world will not, will be confronted with things, uh, challenges, uh, issues that they do not know how to face. And ultimately, God is going to raise you up in those places to be a voice of hope and a voice of wisdom. And ultimately, God's going to use you to have a crazy impact in that culture. I see it taking place in our country right now with addiction, right? President Trump, thank God for, for his heart for this. But you know, just a few months ago, they called Christian leaders to come why? Because they're recognizing we're exhausting resources. We, we've, we've tried every plan. We don't understand what to do. And then in that, God has Daniel-like callings where he raises people up who are walking in their assignments. And they happen to be this voice of hope to say, listen, this is what we need to do. Like, I believe you're going to be at your workplace as you're faithful in your assignments. I tell you, this is not restricted to a church, wherever God has you, entertainment business, creative arts, wherever it is. And your boss is going to pull you aside and say, I need to talk to you. And you say, am I in trouble? And he's say, no, it's the opposite. We're in trouble. And I need to speak with you. I see the way you've been living. I see the things happening. Like, this is what's going on. I need to know what should we do here. Like, God has incredible things that if you're faithful in your assignment, he'll raise you up at the right time. The world is looking and longing for a hope that only you can bring when you're walking in your assignment. Like, they need you wherever you are to be that light, to, to be that light on that hill to shine. And so I want to just encourage you to just embrace that. It could be your marriage, right? Just being faithful in your assignment of marriage. And God, at some point, there's going to be brokenness in a marriage. And God, at some point, he's going to, it's going to be you. He's going to raise up you to be, that, to be that Daniel, to say, look, this is true love is possible. This is, what it, this is what it looks like. We don't need to be the most powerful, the smartest, the most talented, et cetera. We just need to be in our assignment. Just be faithful with where you are. And God is literally at the right time. I just believe it. God is going to use you in incredible, incredible ways. I want to share one other story on this. Just these last few minutes before I close. Uh, Queen Esther. I want you to see how important it is that we walk in our assignments. Because sometimes we think, I know in my life, it's like it's not a big deal. Right? If I didn't want to do this, God, you'll find someone else. No, actually, this is, I want you to see how serious this is. 
And Queen Esther, how many know the story of Queen Esther, right? It's an incredible story. I can't share too much of it, but ultimately, after the Babylonians, the Persians took over the Babylonians, and so the Jews that were in captivity to the Babylonians are now under the reign of the Persians. And Esther lives there, and it's under the rule of King Xerxes, and it's not, again, it's not very favorable. A long story short, King Xerxes uh, has a falling out with his queen, and so he decides that he's going to look for another queen. And Esther had the gift of beauty, and she had a gift of incredible influence because of that. And so officials went out and began to look for these women to present to the King Xerxes, and ultimately they found, they found Esther, and they bring Esther into this harem, which is basically this place where concubines and wives would live. And ultimately she had to go through this whole beautification project, right? This is not, we often think of Queen Esther like a Disney story. It's, uh, it's not really a Disney story. It's a story of an orphan who went through a really hard challenge and really didn't want any of this for her life. This isn't the assignment that she would have chosen for her life, but ultimately God says that he's going to use her in this way. So she goes through this beautification project, and ultimately when she goes before the king, she just has such favor. He sees her beauty, her wisdom, and he makes her queen. And she had a cousin who was taking care of her, Mordecai. And when Mordecai hears all this, there's this plot that began to take place in this kingdom, which is that the right-hand man of Xerxes named Haman, he was going to destroy a genocide of the Jews. And Mordecai hears this and tells Esther, you need to use your position of influence to, to persuade the king to do something about this. And she says, no way. Do you know that even if you would go before the king without him summoning you, you could be killed on the spot? And Mordecai says, basically, listen, either you're going to die with the people in this genocide or you're going to die for the people. So make the choice and die for the people. And she says, fine, if I die, I die. And she goes before the king and he holds up his, his golden scepter, which was the sign that he actually gave her favor to come in. And she comes in and ultimately he just wins, she wins him over and he says, what do you want? You can have anything up to half of my kingdom. And she goes through these series of having these feast with him, and ultimately in the end, she reveals the plot of, of Haman, and um, Xerxes destroys Haman. Now, here's what I want to share. This is what's so amazing, is do you know that a few hundred years later, in the Gospel of Mark, King Herod, it was his birthday, and he had this uh, festival, and Herodias' daughter was dancing for him, and he was so pleased with Herodias' daughter that he, he said, you can have anything you want up to half of my kingdom. Well, isn't that interesting? Both of those, Queen Esther and Herodias' daughter, were presented with the same measure of influence. And Herodias' daughter ran out and told her mother, Herodias, what should I do? And she said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And that's how John the Baptist died. But here, here's my point. Here's my point. For every Esther that says no to their calling, there is a Herodias' daughter that will step in that same position of influence and use it against the Lord's anointed. Like when, we, when God calls us into something, an assignment, we have to, this is why it's so important we pray for our leaders, pray for our, our president and, and those that are leading this country. But when God calls into something, we say that we have to understand that at, at the same point, there, there's an enemy that wants to put someone in that same position of influence that will ultimately use it for, for evil. Or here's what happens is that other people see that there's a need when we don't step up into our assignment. And so someone fills it because there's a need, and ultimately it's not what they were really called to do. And so there's a level of mediocrity because we're supposed to be walking in that. So what is God calling you to do? What is your assignment? I want to encourage you to step out and, and, and walk in it. There's a lot of Herodias' daughters and places that we should be because ultimately we're just not willing to step up and say, God, I'm willing to go and walk in this assignment that you have for me. 
And so finally, I'll just close here in Jonah 3.1. I do have this scripture you can put up on the screen. Jonah, we know ultimately he gets thrown off the ship and swallowed up in, in the sea uh, by a big fish, some believe to be a whale, and ultimately he gets, he gets spit out on the shore. And I find just, this just fascinating. If you're struggling with your assignment for God, listen to this. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And it was the same message. And one, I just think, first of all, God's grace is amazing. That after all this running, he would give Jonah another opportunity. But here's the other thing. So many times I've seen in my life, God calls us, and we start running. We think, if I just change my environment, the people, the place I'm in, man, I can get away from this. But at the end of the day, it's the same heart issues that have to be dealt with. And so at the end of the day, after all of Jonah's running, when he comes back, it's the same message that God gives him. He says, this is my assignment for you. And it will not change. And I thank God that when I run, that God's assignment doesn't change and that he extends grace in my life. But here's the other thing I want to share in that is that, yes, it is the same call. And I'll close here. Yes, it is the same call. But ultimately, Jonah's response is different. Yeah, there's going to be some wrestling that goes on after this. But ultimately, Jonah actually says yes. You say, what happened to Jonah? What happened to Jonah's life that he ran, but this time he said yes? You know that Jesus said that Jonah is, is a type for him. And Jesus ultimately said that in the same way that Jonah was buried in the depths of the sea, in the belly of the fish, he said, so the Son of Man will be buried in the ground and then be resurrected. There's so much to speak to that, but what I want to share is that what Jesus is pointing, in fact, is that Jonah had a death-like experience in the belly of the whale. Jonah experienced death, and when he came up by the other side of that place of death, ultimately he was so broken and humble and surrendered before God that he could say, yes, Lord, I will, I will go now. And I just want to encourage you that the Spirit, the Spirit does his best work with things that are dead. The Spirit does his best work with things that are dead. There's something so beautiful that happens when we just give in to God and his plan. We give in to the unknown. We say, God, I don't understand all this, but I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of fighting of trying to make sense of how this is going to work. God, I, I don't even necessarily like where I'm going right now. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. But Lord, I just say yes to you. And when that happens, there are absolutely beautiful things that begin to take place when we actually just be, begin to die to our agenda and say, Lord, you give up your life for me. And so in return, God, I give up my life to follow, to follow you. The Lord said that in the days of Noah, he said, how long will my spirit contend with man? How long will my spirit have to wrestle with man? And what I'm finding is that often the Holy Spirit won't contend with our efforts. In fact, he'll honor our efforts until we get so tired and realize how futile they are. And we realize, man, the only thing I can do is just entrust myself to God's process for me. And so God has placed great seeds of vision and giftings in each and every one of your lives, assignments. And if you find yourself frustrated and saying, why am I not experiencing the fruit of these things? The very things that God has placed in my life, I don't understand why I'm not seeing the fruit of it. I want to encourage you, as the scripture says, to, to find soil, to die in that, to let your life be hidden in Christ. That the very reason that we're not seeing these things manifest in ourselves is because we're trying to still understand and we're still striving and we won't just simply surrender and say yes to Lord. And the moment we do that, the very things that he has birthed and placed and the promises he's spoken over to us, it's in the surrender that we'll begin to see the fruit of those things take place. So I want to just ask you to stand. Caesar, would you just play the guitar for a moment?
I'm just going to close in, in praying for us here. But Ephesians 3.20 says this. Why don't you guys just close your eyes for a moment and just receive this, this scripture for a moment. Ephesians 3.20. Listen to this. Now to him, meaning Christ, that is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all, I mean, how many more words can you put on there? That we ask or think according to the power that works in us. The weight of that scripture, that in your life, despite your frailties and your weaknesses, that God wants to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that you could pray for, all that you could ever dream of, he wants to do in your life. In other words, God wants to so, go so far beyond the reach, your reach, what you could do in the natural. But here's what it says. According to the power that works in us. So to the measure that we give the Spirit of God liberty in us and we yield to the Spirit of God is the measure of which God will go beyond our reach. The more we say yes to God and say, God, I don't understand, but Lord, I surrender to you. I want to fulfill my God-given assignment. The more we just say yes to him, we will see God do things in our life that we couldn't even imagine. Thank you for listening to Home Church's podcast. To go deeper into the message, text DEEPER to 66866. If you would like to give to this ministry, you can text the amount to 631-693-4176 or visit us at myhomechurch.org backslash give.